Hi everyone, this episode of A Blockchain Lawyer will be about the big why and the big what's. Why do I do this podcast and what is blockchain and what it's not. Have fun! Welcome to The Blockchain Lawyer, a podcast on technology and law. Dennis Hilleman is an accomplished lawyer with over 13 years of experience and a passion for creating a better future through blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive innovations. All statements expressed in this podcast are the opinions of the host and his guests only and are in no way legal or financial advice. And now, here is your host, Dennis. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of A Blockchain Lawyer, a brand new podcast that is all about blockchain and cryptocurrencies, about new disruptive technologies that might change the future, and, as you might have guessed from the title, about the laws and the regulation that hopefully help to change the future to the better. My name is Dennis Suleiman, I'm your host, and I'm happy you found the way here. So you're probably asking yourself, why do we need another podcast on blockchain and cryptocurrencies? There are already excellent podcasts such as the Off the Chain podcast from Pomp or the Unchained podcast. It's a good and fair question and let me explain this to you. Let me first introduce you um, to my uh, CV and why I came into blockchain technology. Uh, my name is Dennis Solomon and I'm 40 years old. I'm working as a lawyer and I'm working as a lawyer in Germany, Europe and I'm focusing on the public sector. So there are three matters that are different from other podcasts um, concerning blockchain technology. First of all, I'm from Europe. Most of the most renowned podcasts on blockchain come from the US. And there's a good reason that they're coming from the US, as most things concerning blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies are, of course, happening in the US, the major ones. But there's a lot of things going on with blockchain and cryptocurrencies in Europe too. And I want to focus a little bit more on the developments from uh, the old Europe countries um, before we always discuss only the US point of view on blockchain and cryptocurrencies. So that's the first reason why I put up this podcast. The second reason is I'm a lawyer and I have a very... I have a very different point of view when it comes to blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies and all the regulation matters that come with them than a lot of other podcasters who come from a financial background or from a technology, technological background. I want to put a focus on the legal aspects of blockchain and I want to put a focus on how we probably need to change our legislation and how legislation thinks about politics so that uh, blockchain technology and other great technologies can develop and can help to achieve a better future. And the third thing uh, that's probably different from my CV to other podcasters is I'm not working in the financial sector as a lawyer. I'm working with a public sector in Germany. That means I counsel governmental organizations, I counsel administrations and universities, NGOs. So I know what uh, the political aspects of blockchains are. I know how legislation thinks. I, I think about blockchain and cryptocurrencies from a constitutional point of view. And I hope that maybe with my podcast, I can help 
a little bit to understand the issues that legislation and regulation have with blockchain and cryptocurrencies a little better. And um, what I also want to uh, put a focus on are not only uh, the, technology, uh, the, the technology behind blockchain and cryptocurrencies, I want to put a focus on, on the political and social aspects of new technologies. How do we have to change our politics? How do we have to change our minds when it comes to technology so that we can actually use it for the better of us? That is what this podcast will be about. That's what I will talk about with you and that's what I will talk about with my guests who are hopefully joining me in upcoming episodes. And I hope that you will enjoy the podcast for this reason. So how did I come into blockchain technology and why am I interested in it? Um, let, let me take you a little while back when someone who was very dear to me had an issue with her health and like she had to go to the hospital and to different doctors very often. And what's, what really struck me was every time we went to a doctor, we went to the hospital, we had to tell the whole story of her difficulties and what she's struggling with again because nobody had like a digital file actually of her. There were like no database that would open up and show the doctor the whole story. So every time she had to tell the whole story again and it took quite a while until one doctor actually sat down and didn't just look at her from, from his point of view and what he noticed but like went through the whole story and then figured out what's going on with her. And I thought, man, that, that, can't be the, that can't be the 21st century because how can it be that um, this, this dear person to me had to write a paper file with everything that was going on, had to copy everything that she got from different doctors, all the documents, had to put up a file herself and like ran around with this paper file under her arm struggling to find a doctor who was actually um, able to put the whole puzzle together. Um, and that's, that's what I think what this, this, this world is still about. Like we are so much still thinking in an analog way that we have so much on paper that there are so many like data zeros, like, like tr data treasures where everyone is just looking at its own data and is not interconnected. And how can it be? I mean, we've got like Facebook, we've got Twitter, we've got eBay, we've, we've got Uber. We can ask for so many goods and services online. We can communicate with someone who's in Japan or in Argentina, it's no problem anymore. But still, when, when it comes in this case to health data, we, we don't have a system that interconnects people, that interconnects data and I figured out, and I, of course I wondered why is that? And so what I was looking for was like for a technology that could help change that. So that data is like connected, that data points get connected, that people get connected um, with that data and among each other services and businesses. And um, that the whole thing, that the whole documentation on paper perhaps has to stop. And that's how I came into blockchain technology because actually I think blockchain is a great technology to absolutely move us 
fervor in uh, the digital aspect and to help to make a life a much better one. And that's, that's why I got actually in 2017 into blockchain and have uh, stayed with it ever since. I'm active in the blockchain community. Um, I'm like part of an institute in Hamburg um, that, is, uh, that is trying to uh, uh, help the idea of blockchain become more popular here in Hamburg. Um, I'm working um, with the German organizations, um, with a lot of good people to create a blockchain technology industrial standard. That's a lot of fun. So, and I, I, I encountered all these great people who are interested in blockchain technology, who are doing something with blockchain technologies, especially like how they, how I like to call them, and it's not meant in a bad way, techies who are so deep in all the good ambition they have on blockchain and all the great ideas on them. But what I see is like um, a lot of people are uh, missing the, the chance to spread out the message what blockchain can do to spread out the idea how it can help the world to um, the politics, to the NGOs, to also to the media. So um, that blockchain and cryptocurrencies and other technologies that can actually make all lives so much easier, so much better, that might help to uh, change the world to a better concerning climate protection, concerning waste, concerning social issues. They might have a little difficulty to transport it to the politics and uh, to the society. And maybe with this podcast and with the guests I, hope I probably have in the future, I can help a little bit to make to get the message out there so that we can change our future. So that's how I came into blockchain technology and that's why I, uh, that's why I stayed with it. And now let's move on to uh, this episode's actually subject. Let me explain as a lawyer and not as a great techie, what is blockchain? What is, can it be good for? And absolutely what is blockchain not? Like I just want, I want to show you that blockchain can do a lot of good but that we, I also want to underline that blockchain is not everything. Blockchain is not the tool to change everything. The tool to change things that are people and their minds, from my point of view. Blockchain is just actually just something like a hammer, like a tool to make something happen. But the actually change must come from people, from societies, from politics, and as a lawyer, I would also say, of course, from legislation. So anyhow, what is blockchain and why is it important? First of all, like I said, I'm not a techie. I'm a lawyer. This, this podcast is not about explaining in detail how blockchain works. There are far better sources out there over the internet you can find easily by Googling, like look on Coinbase, look on Medium. There are many good explanations on what blockchain is. Here you will find my understanding and my explanations. And before we go into blockchain, let's take a step back and look at desktop computers like they were there in the last years before, for example, they were, clo they were like uh, cloud solutions. Every one of us knows somebody or even had this, the very same happen to him or herself who lost his PC. 
Like I know guys who lo who were like writing an Axum on an Axum paper on their PC, on their desktop computers, on the laptops, and either the laptop, the desktop computer uh, went out, was was done, or was stolen, and the, everything was gone. Why is that? Because we stored, we used to store our data centralized. We used to store them on hard drives. We used to store on data on floppy disks, on USB ports. We used to store them at one central space. I think a lot of us still do that until today, if you're honest. So then we've got cloud solutions. That's already a plus, like you store your data in the cloud and you can access it from all over the world. That's the first good thing. But still, many cloud solutions have um, the weakness that, they are that the data is stored at a central point, at a central server. And if data is stored at a central point, data can be modified. Like, let us imagine someone hacks into a cloud by Amazon, by Apple. I know these companies will say it will never happen, but just let us imagine that. And modifies your data that is safe there. For example, the hacker modifies, um, uh, let us say, your photographs that were very, um, the, the, the hacker erases people out there. Then your data is modified or it's gone because central solutions have always the weakness that they are vulnerable to attacks, to modification, and it's hard to prove that data which is stored on central solutions was modified. That's what you keep in mind when you think of central solutions. A, data can be, can be stolen, data can be modified, and it can be gone, like there's no copy of it, and, or if it's modified, you cannot prove that it was modified. Or B, even if you store data even on um, a physical device, like a hard drive, a USB port, or maybe even on your smartphone or iPad, it can be stolen, it can be destroyed as well. It's gone. So that's like the main weaknesses of centralized solutions. Data can be data can be modified or data can simply be gone or it cannot be accessed if, for example, the physical device it was stolen from is gone or is not interconnected with anything else. Like, for example, go back to the idea or to the story from the doctor's visit that I told you. Every doctor put the data in her or his own computer system on her or his own server. The data of a dear person to me was not interconnected with the computer of the other doctor, the hospital. That's why everyone had her or his data concerning this patient closed away for her or himself as a doctor, but not interconnected with other doctors or hospitals. A very common phenomenon that I'm sure that you know all you all know from your business work, from your private life as well. Like you need to access data that someone else only has on his or her device or on his or her server or on his or her cloud solution and you can't accept it. That's that are the weaknesses of centralized data solutions. Blockchain, however, to put it in a nutshell, is a decentralized database solution. That's the basic idea you need to get into your head. 
Blockchain is a decentralized database solution. Blockchain is an accounting system where a ledger, a record of trans transaction, is distributed among a network of computers. The transactions, the data, is not stored anymore only on one computer. It is stored equally and each time in the same way in a network of computer. How does, the, how does this work? How, how do I have to imagine this? Let us go back to um, the idea with a server. Let us say your server has a has uh, your firm has a server, and every day you turn on your computer. Your computer logs onto that server and gets its data from that server. So all data is stored on that server, and your computer then um, connects with that server. You have one central point, the server. And you have a lot of users going into that server using that server. With blockchain, it's different. Like the data is stored on a whole network of computers. Exactly the same data that you now only have on one server when you look at your company. But in a blockchain scenario, exactly the same server is stored on a network of computers. How does it work? First, the computers that are part of a blockchain network, they all verify all transactions one by one and add them onto a block of information. That's where the name blockchain actually comes from then. Because then these blocks of information are added to the blockchain and downloaded onto each computer. To summarize this simply, this is how these computers keep the blockchain secure and running. They build up a block of information and these blocks are chronically, like one by one, added on each computer that stores the data. So to understand that, the term blockchain refers to the fact that it is a chain of blocks. It's a chain because everything is recorded in a chronological order. And blocks, because the transactions, are added to the chain in groups rather than individually. So let's put it simple. Let us imagine that you want to count to 10 and every block is, consists of two numbers. So we have the first block, one, two. Then the blockchain would add the next block, three, four. That's the second block. And it follows the first block, one, two, three, four, chronically, so it's added there. Then you got five, six as the next block, the third block added to the chain. When you got seven, eight as the next block added to the chain and nine, ten, and if you want to count more and so on and so on. So it's a database that, that, in, that in theory or in, in a practical way just follows a chronological order. So now you could worry, isn't it even more dangerous if the data is stored on many computers in a network and not only on one? Wouldn't it make it far more easier um, to modify the data, to erase data from the past? And the clear answer to that is no. Because understand this, the transactions on a blockchain are recorded in the form of hashes. Hashes means that it's a strings of number and letters. 
The hash of each trans transaction is generated to include information from the current and past transactions. This creates a chain effect where the order of hashes cannot be changed. As a result, transactions are immutable once they've been added. Go back to my 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 example. The moment we add the 3, 4, a hash is included that says, okay, we first had 1, 2, now we add something and then comes 3, 4. And you can't change that for the past. Like the blockchain will not allow you to alter that for the past. I know some of you will say there's pruning and everything, but I don't want to go into detail with that. Then let's keep it with that. But blockchain is immutable and cannot be changed for the past. That's like the great thing about blockchain. The next worry you could put up is, is that wouldn't it be easier for hackers to attack a blockchain? Because instead of like getting through a very secure central system, they could just uh, attack one of the participating computers of a network, one of the so-called nodes, and modify the data on it, do transactions on the blockchain that is saved on that node, and say, hey, look, um, the, the blockchain has changed. Every other computer has to change as well. And uh, the good thing is, no, that's, that's, that's really not the case because all transactions on a blockchain need to be verified before they are added on the blockchain. How does it work? There's an algorithm, a consensus mechanism, a consensus mechanism by all the nodes participating in the networks, which allows all the nodes on the networks to agree on things without a central authority. That's the basic idea. Like, if you want to change something on a blockchain, then it has to be done regularly with all the rules of the blockchain, complying with the algorithm. And only then, all the other computers, all the other nodes will accept what happens on the blockchain and save it on their computers, their nodes as well, and change the blockchain as such. Meaning what? Let us assume there's one node, one computer that is attacked by hackers. The blockchain is, for example, about financial transactions. We'll, we'll go into that later. And then the hacker modifies the financial transaction on this computer. Like, it, for example, uh, it's financial transactions involving the sending of money and um, the hacker modifies only on this computer participating in the blockchain the blockchain by saying here i send x money i send someone money on the blockchain and then with one computer is modified and you could fear wouldn't all be all other computers who have the same blockchain saved on their computers be modified as well and the clear answer is no because the blockchain will only save anything that complies with the consensus algorithm. So if by attacking only one computer, one of the participating nodes, no hacker can change the blockchain. The hacker has to, in theory, to attack 51%, the majority, of all participating nodes 
in the same way to change the blockchain. And um, so far, only the NSA actually claims that they basically can do this with their computer power. Nobody knows if that's for true. But you see, that's where the blockchain's absolutely strength comes from. Because let's go back to our central storage data. If a hacker has access to the central storage data, to the central stored data, for, if, it ha if he has access to the server, to the cloud, he can modify the data and uh, the modified data would, would be only be visible for all of us. In a blockchain scenario, the hacker cannot only attack one computer, one central server. He would have to attack all participating nodes or at least 51% of them in the same way. That is the basic idea of a blockchain that it's so secure because it makes certain that data on the blockchain can most likely, in theory, everything is possible, but with a high, high, high level of security not be changed by anyone if it's not in consensus with the algorithms of a blockchain. That is what makes blockchain so strong. It's decentralized and it is running without a central authority. That is the basic theory of blockchain. So let's talk about another element of the blockchain trans technology and that's transparency. That's something that is very important uh, to understand if you're working with blockchain and if you're looking at blockchain. Because something that you always get to hear is the blockchain is fully transparent. And of course, as a lawyer, um, that gives me goosebumps because there's a lot of personal data that shouldn't be transparent. But you need to differ something. Let us assume we are all pirates. We are all pirates. We rob gold. We rob money. And like we put it in a treasure chest and like we um, hid it under the earth. We dig a hole, put the treasure chest in there, put earth a, a put it above it and like point a map, you know how it is, and have a key to the treasure chest. So let's assume we store data on a blockchain and that's a treasure chest. We store very personal data on a blockchain. And as you know now, a treasure chest stored on the blockchain or data in a treasure chest is multiplied like a hundred times all over the computer of a network. But, and that's the main point, the data is transformed into hashes. Everybody on the blockchain, whoever is participating even on the blockchain, can see there's a block of hashes, but they don't see the personal data itself. The personal data itself is multiplied a hundred times over different nodes. The block is multiplied a hundred times over different nodes. That's transparency. That is what we can see. But, the, but only the user having the private key to access that data or an R image to access the treasure chest on the blockchain can open up that data, can, so to say, re-encrypt it and read it.
So that's what transparency is for a blockchain. It's not as such the data itself. It's the fact that blocks have been added. It's the fact that there have been transactions. For example, if we change the data in the treasure chest on the blockchain, then the block changes. You know, there's another block added. The chain goes on, like exp explained before. But only I... Only I who has the personal key to open up that data, only I can see the data itself. That is so important to understand that blockchain is not about making every data, uh, every data, every personal data visible. It's, a, it's about making transactions visible on the blockchain. That is the transparency of a blockchain in this blockchain scenario just described. So to sum it up, blockchain is a decentralized database that has four key elements. A, it's decentralized. There's no central authority ruling the database. The database is spread across a network of computers with so-called nodes. Second, the blockchain is immutable. All data is added to the blockchain in blocks that are added to the blockchain in chronological order. It's permanent, it's a, it's a tool for permanent record keeping. That's what the blockchain is. Third of all, the blockchain is transparent. But as I said before, the transactions going on on the blockchain that are transparent that are transparent for everyone that is what is transparent but not the data necessarily itself is transparent because only the person holding the per uh, the private key can access the data stored on the blockchain and the fourth element of the blockchain is it's secure like i explained earlier there's a consensus mechanism that prevents that hackers alter the data on one participating node of one participating computer on the network and by that change the whole blockchain. No, they would have to attack a whole lot of computers at the same time in the same way to alter a blockchain. That is, also, that is why blockchain is such a good technology. It's decentralized, it's transparent, it's immutable and it's secure. Keep that in mind and you already know a whole lot about blockchain. So now you might ask, what does this all have to do with Bitcoin? I thought Bitcoin is blockchain. And the answer is a typical lawyer's answer, yes and no. Bitcoin is just one of the many ways to use blockchain. It is actually perhaps the most important blockchain use case at this time but it's only one of the many ways to use the blockchain. It's one use case, but it's not the whole blockchain. Please understand that. I will go into a different um, podcast, maybe the next one, into Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. So far, I just want you to remember, Bitcoin is just one use case of blockchain, but it's by far not the only one, and not by far not the one I'm most interested in. So after you heard the theory, let us also talk about what blockchain is not. 
first of all, like I already told you, blockchain is not Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. Like Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are um, a use case of blockchain, but they are not naturally the same as uh, Bitcoin is the whole blockchain. That's not true. Blockchain is also not a product. Like it isn't a product that makes you drive faster, makes you fly to the moon, uh, makes, makes us all save the, uh, save the environment. That's not the case. Blockchain is a decentralized database. It's a technology and it can be used to help other businesses realize the business ideas. It can be used to create business. It's a little bit, if you think like it, like the internet. The internet as such is not a product. It just, it just allowed a lot of different business use cases, communication use cases. So blockchain is not like a replacement for the internet. It needs the internet to work. Blockchain is not like a replacement for a secure messaging replacement. Like, you, like I heard some people say um, that to, to um, message securely, you need a blockchain. That's not true. Blockchain is a technology, a tool that we can use. That's what I want you to know and that's what I want you to keep in mind. And another thing, blockchain is not necessarily anonymous. Like many people think blockchain is for criminals because nobody can be identified using the blockchain. That is also not true, not at all. I told you earlier that maybe you only have a private key to open up the data on the blockchain. Yes, in that case, nobody can see the data. But to use the blockchain, you usually use a gate. For example, all the people trading cryptocurrencies, they go to an exchange, an exchange platform like Binance or BitMEX, very different ones. And of course, when entering such a gate, when using such a gate, they leave their personal data behind and they can be identified if they are using the blockchain. So blockchain is not necessarily anonymous. That's what I really want you to remember. So what are actual use cases for the blockchain? We'll talk about that in detail in this podcast. I just want to give you a few impressions. First of all, from my understanding as a lawyer, blockchain makes sense where different organizations, people, businesses work together and interact with each other, exchange data or do transactions with each other. And they don't want a central authority to rule the network and they want the network and the transactions and the data exchanged on the network to be totally safe because that is where the two strengths of blockchain come into play. It's decentralized and it's very safe. It cannot be hacked in theory. That is what you really should see when you talk about blockchain. Let us have a look. Where can blockchain come into play? I will just give you two examples now. The first example that I find is a very interesting use case for blockchain is the food industry. For example, when you go to the supermarket today and you look at the good meat that is there and it says it comes from Argentina, how can you 
as a customer be sure it really comes from Argentina. You trust the supermarket. But with blockchain, it can be possible in the future to track everything concerning this meat. You can track the whole process. Where was it first? From which farm in Argentina does it come? Maybe even which, which uh, cow does it come from? What did that cow eat even? And like which way did it go from there? When, when was it there? When did it come to Germany, to the US? Because that's the typical case for blockchain. There's a lot of data, like what did the coup eat? What was feeded to it? When uh, did the coup uh, was slaughtered? When did like the meat go shipping? Every little point of data can be saved on the blockchain. And as it, as it is safe, as it cannot be modified, it is possible for you as a customer then to maybe stand someday in your supermarket and scan a barcode of the food that you just have in your hands and see the whole process where it comes from, making it very, very safe for you to say, yes, this is actually good meat coming from Argentina, coming from a good farm. That's one use case for blockchain. The second use case, of course, for blockchain are cryptocurrencies. We will talk about that. Today, when you make a transfer of money in a Western country, you do it via a bank. Why? The bank has your money on it and you trust the bank to be good with your money. You trust the bank to transfer it to another bank, which also then says money has been transferred. So in the future, it might be possible that you will transfer more and more money around the whole world without a bank in the middle. That's the basic idea where Bitcoin comes from too, to help unbanked people. That is a very good use case for blockchain as well, because there are, there's, it's about data, it's about a decentralized solution, and it's also about the, to be secure, to be safe on the blockchain when it's about money. You don't, you can trust that the blockchain is not, um, uh, not hacked. And now let's go back and that's the last remark for today. Let's go back to my health data um, uh, idea that I talked to you at the beginning, uh, how the dear person of mine had the problem of having her data, her health data saved. Let's imagine there's a blockchain solution for health data. Every doctor can, with your permission, access your health data and add your health data on the blockchain. Wherever you go, your patient data is available for that person which needs, who needs your data, be it a hospital doctor, a surgeon, be it the doctor around the corner. And um, this is a typical use case from my point of view for blockchain, because why? We don't want a central authority to rule the network in this case. We want a lot of people maybe to interact with your data, to have a possibility to access your data on the same blockchain with the same data standards. And we absolutely want your data on this blockchain concerning healthcare to be secure. That is when blockchain makes sense. And that are the use cases where we will talk about here for blockchain. And we will look at that from a legal point of view, especially because, my last remark, it is not possible to use blockchain in all use cases.
because law might prevent that. There might be laws that will not allow decentralized solutions. Also keep that in mind. So I hope you had fun, even it was all today about blockchain's basics. And I hope you will tune in again in the next episodes when we will dig much deeper into the blockchain use cases and the law behind it. Thanks for listening and hope to see you again on this show. If you want to learn more about Dennis, please visit his website, theblockchain.lawyer, or connect with him on LinkedIn or Twitter. Until next time, everyone. 